The views and opinions discussed on this show are of the guests and host. They do not reflect the views or opinions of associated sponsors or affiliates. Howling at the Moon, a sudden urge to eat your cat, or an intense desire to mark your territory are common side effects of listening to and or being bitten by this show. Enjoy at your own risk. It's the odd, odd, odd to Newfoundland. Ghostly greetings from your host, Jonathan. Mysteries, ghosts, monsters and lore. East Coast esoterica and so much more. If it's up to your friend, it's on the up to new farm <laughs> Ghostly greetings from the oldest city in North America. I'm your host, John Maller, bringing you the best in East Coast esoterica. You, my friends, have stumbled upon the odd Newfoundland. Paranormal Podcast. This is episode 293 of your favorite paranormal variety show. And having you here is better than turning 40 years old yesterday in a snowstorm. That's for sure. Good Lord. The whole city was shut down. I never got to have my two pounds of Don Cherry's wings. I just, I don't know. I was kind of sad about it. I'm a little bitter about it. But you know what? It's okay. This is day two of me being home with all my children in, in crazy weather. You know, Newfoundland gets 60, 70 centimeters of snow. You know, we kind of need a day or two to dig out. But anyway, it's still one of the best places ever to live, in my opinion, of course. I'm so happy you guys are here to share with this episode with me. Why? Because you're wonderful, a masterpiece, beautifully made, important to people, because you're important to me, highly favored by your creator, where the live averages and fittest working in tandem, you, my friend, are an oddball, and on this show, your family, and we are one. The often imitated but never duplicated Odd to Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. That's what we are, often imitated, never duplicated, especially by the people who have me on their show and then don't show up for mine who have people on their show who speak highly of me, but 10 years ago said, if you were to pursue this podcasting thing, it would be A, a waste of time, and B, distract you from what you're truly supposed to do, which is paranormal investigation. <laughs> hey, man, it's about time I started speaking my mind about this stuff. It really is. Nobody knows what that is? Good. The people who do know what this is will listen to the show and go, ooh, <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> I'm super happy to have you guys here. I'm very, very excited because, number one, it's 2024. I haven't actually had a chance to talk on this show in months because of, A, being super, super sick over Christmas. Like, that was the biggest thing. And, and and B, like, we have a segmented show where I put out, you know, a monster episode every now and then and, and stuff like that. So I hope you guys enjoyed the other two episodes since last we spoke. Um, you know, we had our Christmas special, and then I put out a little one about the Belschnickel. The Belschnickel! He's gonna whoop ya. I hope you guys enjoyed that around Christmas time. And then, of course, a few weeks ago, my good friend Taisha Buckle joined me and gave out a little tiny horoscope for 2024 for everybody. It was really, really interesting. I hope you guys had a chance to check out those episodes. This episode is gonna be paranormal schnooze and news, okay? We're gonna get back into some of the weird stuff that's been going on over the last few months, and trust me, there's some really weird stuff that's been going on over the last few months. I'm uh, I'm kind of happy to have the opportunity to cover those stories. One good thing about being sick 
and like missing a month of this show is that all this weird stuff happens and I can cherry pick my favorite ones. So like all kinds of weird stuff went on, man. It's crazy. Not just in the paranormal, but in entertainment as well. And there's all kinds of new stuff coming out that is going to fit the bill, including a new TV show about Bigfoot, which is literally a sitcom with Bigfoots in it. Live action. I've always thought that'd be great. It's like Harry, Harry and the Hendersons <laughs> meet the uh, meet the Flintstones or something here. It should be pretty fun. Um. So yeah, I'm 40. I'm 40. I started this podcast when I was 30. Yeah, 2014. I started this podcast in July. This July coming, it'll be the 10 year anniversary of the Odd to Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. This show is listened to all over the world. It's downloaded in all the way to Sri Lanka. Like, this is probably one of the coolest things I've ever come across, is the ability to say that I truly have a global audience. But this audience doesn't grow without your help. So please like and support the show. Uh, like, like the episode, post wherever you might see it. Subscribe to me wherever you listen. It all really helps. And, of course, some feedback is always appreciated. You know, within reason. You know, you're not going to get on there and be like, oh, God. What was, what was the comment I had a few weeks ago? Oh, my God. Uh, on one of my posts. Oh, my God. Another cis white male does a podcast. Oh, joy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. I'm one of the most culturally diverse per- people out there. I'm one of the most culturally diverse podcasts in Eastern Canada, I've had I'm the only podcast to have all walks of life on, whether they you know be a part of the LGBTQ community, are of color or of different culture. I've had them from all over the world. I I was kind of shocked by that. So, that guy who made that post, you know who you are. Go f- yourself. There, I said it. <laughs> now let's move on, shall we? Shall we get a little bit of paranormal news? Can you tell me a little bit mad since our last uh, podcast? Maybe, maybe just a tad, but the anger and resentment only brings out more hilarity. Trust me on that. <laughs> Somewhere between the funnies <laughs> and, and your obituaries is, oh, oh yes, the paranormal news. <laughs> so you're going through the airport. Everything's going fine. You get your bags checked, and all of a sudden you hear <laughs> the alarm goes off. The guy checking your bag gets super pissed. He looks at you and he's just like, uh, yeah, there's something in your bag we need to talk about. I mean, what exactly would you do if a bunch of drug dogs sniffed out your baggage and inside were a bunch of mummified monkeys? <laughs> A U.S. Customs and Border Protection dog sniffed out something unusual in the luggage from a traveler returning from Africa, mummified monkeys. The passenger returning from a visit to Democratic Republic of Congo reported that the luggage contained dried fish, but an inspection at Boston Logan Airport revealed dead and dehydrated bodies of four monkeys. The traveler said he he bought the monkeys into the U.S. for his own consumption. Ryan Bassett, a CBB spokesperson, said Sunday... Raw or minimally processed meat from wild animals, sometimes referred to as bush meat, is banned in the U.S. because of the threat of disease. The potential dangers posed by bringing bush meat into the United States are real. Bush meat can carry germs that cause illness, including the Ebola virus, said Julio Carrera, local port director for Customs and Border Protection. The incident happened last month, but was made public on Friday. Bassett said Sunday that no charges were filed, but all the luggage was seized and nearly nine pounds. Four kilograms of bush meat was marked for destruction. 
So like, if you see the picture of this, <laughs> if you see the picture of this, it's just ridiculous. Like, you've got literal monkey heads. <laughs> like, what dumbass? What a like, what dumbass actually thinks he's getting through customs with, like, a bunch of heads in his bag? Think about this for a second. And, like, we all know how closely related we are to chimps. I mean, the customs person probably went, uh, are these, like, baby human skulls at first? This guy's luckily he didn't get deported and tortured, too. He's not exactly, you know, in a third world country at the moment. But my God, boy, like, this could have been really, really bad for him. And what kills me the most about it is how neatly packed these corpses were. They were literally like in a perfect rectangle with monkey heads poking out. It was like, hey, look at this rather perfectly shaped rectangle with heads in it. Like, it's the classic dead person in a suitcase scenario. Except, you know, it's monkeys and shit. <laughs> God. What are people thinking? Like, how stupid are you? Uh Oh, don't worry. People can be really dumb for other things too. You know, you might sell those black those those poor dead those poor dead, I can't even get the words. Those poor dead monkeys. You're gonna you sell them on the black market, okay? But you know what? Sometimes at auction stuff like this can go like crazy, crazy prices too. Well, here's one that you're gonna really enjoy. Winston Churchill's false teeth was recently sold at auction. Okay, Winston Churchill, you know him. You know who he is? He's a big party. Britain's wartime prime minister, man. Super famous guy, right? So his teeth sold at auction. Okay, they're they're just denter type top part of his teeth for eighteen thousand dollars. Churchill suffered from dental problems most of his life, having lost several teeth during his twenties. So he had up to four sets of teeth made for him. But they're still very rare to come across, and, and the set of six upper teeth were fashioned to preserve the Britain wartime's prime minister's famous natural lisp. Oh, yeah. The Costwell Auction Company, who handled the sale, said the teeth were snapped up, quote-unquote, for 18,000 pounds. More than doubled the 8,000 guide price. Churchill, who guided Britain through the Second World War after replacing Neville Chamberlain as prime minister in 1940, suffered from dental problems most of his life. And, you know, now we get to hang out. Like, what do you even do with that? Like, what do you even do with that? Like, what what, what the heck? Like, like, okay, I get it. You got a piece of, like, wartime memorabilia. Like, look at this cool gun. Or look at this cool bullet. Or look at this landmine. Or, or, or like, anything. But, like, a pair of teeth belong to a prime minister? Like, it just doesn't... I don't know. I, I guess it's not macho enough for me. <laughs> I guess. Eh, I guess it's still better than monkeys, I suppose. Thinking of boot. <laughs> Speaking of bush meat, <laughs> there was a thong wearing protesters bare. St I can't even get the words out. <laughs> like. Okay, like I take these stories and I edit them myself to, so it's not total plagiarism. And I, and I'm, and like, there's just, I can't even segue into this. And I think I'll leave me having a breakdown here laughing in this so you guys can get a feel for my silliness and process. Thong wearing protesters bear their bums in opposition to calls for G string ban. The protesters rallied against remarks made by Ian Grace, a former Gold Coast Volunteer of the Year Award winner, who said women and girls who wear G-strings are, quote-unquote, cheapening themselves. 
Thongs and thong-wearing protesters bared their bums on Australia's Gold Coast as they showed their opposition to calls for a ban on G-string bikini bottoms. Let me tell you, this is one protest I'm totally behind. But <laughs> The demonstration named Free the Peach. <laughs> the demonstration named Free the Peach began in Karara Beach at 6 a.m. local time. According to reports in Australia, dozens of locals wore their skimpiest swimwear. As they fought for their right to wear what they want on the beach. <laughs> they were rallying against remarks made by Ian Grace, the former Gold Coast Volunteer of the World winner, who said they're cheapening themselves. Mr. Grace first made his concerns known in a letter from to Tom Tate, mayor of Gold Coast, earlier this month, early this month, saying he had become distracted by women wearing triangle bikinis on the beach. Australian News reports. Yeah, you're distracted by women on the beach. You think? I mean, yeah, that's, that's like, completely normal. Like, I'm, I hate to say it, God. It's normal to be distracted by women. Women are beautiful. They're, they're so beautiful. Like, how can you not be distracted by them? Especially when they're in thugs. Here's an idea. Don't do your work on the beach, you dumbass. <laughs> he wrote, one young lady in particular was talking on the footpath on the main road and had the tiniest triangle in front and was as close to naked as anyone could be. <laughs> Screw this. I'm moving to Australia. Newfoundland G-strings, man, are like pajama pants because everyone's froze to death here. Like, it's like minus 20. <laughs> oh, my God. This isn't paranormal news. This is just ridiculous. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's 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 get some actual, some type of paranormal stuff. Just these weird stories. I had enough now. Let's, let's actually dig into something paranormal here. Okay. There's a U.S. whistleblower. And he's saying that a UFO disabled a nuclear missile using laser beams, okay? So a dish-shaped UFO disabled a nuclear missile over the Pacific during a routine test, according to multiple military whistleblowers. The craft allegedly circled the unarmed dummy warhead as it traveled at several thousand miles per hour. So that's super fast and very weird. Retired U.S. Air Force officers Lieutenant Rob Jacobs and Major Florence Mansman are among two who claim to even who claim the event took place, and say they have seen footage of the event, which was captured on September 15, 1964. However, this video has since gone missing. Extraordinary allegations about the encounter have been swirling for years, but are now being investigated by author Robert Hastings, whose books include UFOs and nukes, the secret link between. Like, and and that's, that's, that's another thing, too. That's not uncommon. Like, I've, I've heard this link before. I've seen it before. And it's very interesting to, to actually look into it. Um, Lieutenant Jacobs and Major Mansman were part of the team charged with filming the test from a military telescopic phot photography site in Big Sur, California. And while doing so, inadvertently captured the altercation. They alleged that after a highly restricted screening of the footage, two plainclothed CIA officers confiscated the tape. Plainclothed? Well, it's better than the men in black for once, I guess. Jeez. Lieutenant Jakes has said that the time uh, Major Management had told him not to talk about it and said it had never happened, quote-unquote. So they really put the, the push on this to hide it, right? Separately, Mr. Hastings confirmed that Louis Islamden, former director of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, that's a mouthful, AATIP for short, 
also said that he had been seeing footage. This was confirmed by an anonymous U.S. Senate investigator, not Mr. Ezanonik himself, who has previously accused the Pentagon of trying to discredit him for speaking out over the issue of UFOs. So we actually have this on video, okay? So just, just to kind of sum this up for you, we have it on video of a nuclear warhead, okay? So remember, it's absolutely precise to detonate one of these things. Like, the bomb that dropped in Japan was absolutely precise to the second because not only do you have to drop the bomb, you have to detonate it yourself. Like, it's not just drop the bomb. It has to be detonated. Like, it has to be planned to a T. So something very specific took out that warhead. It was flying in the air. A UFO appeared. It zapped it. And then the bomb just doesn't explode. So I want you to think about that for a minute. Like, I have so many questions about that. Number one, like, that to me sounds like a military test of what UFOs actually are, for starters. Like, that would be a big help, because I believe in aliens. I don't really believe they're in UFOs. That I don't believe. Second thing, and this is the most important thing, we all know how precise that technology has to be. It had to be way more advanced than what we have at that time. We're talking 19, what, 64, it said? Good Lord. What do you guys think? Do you think UFOs are kind of protecting us here? What is the alien agenda, and what does it have to do with nuclear weapons? Like, and and it's not the only thing. There's other types of paranormal stuff that goes on with these nuclear tests and like places. And like, I think of Chernobyl, and and I think of the Mothman. You know, I think I think of these things that appear during natural disasters and stuff. Like, do you think there might be a link there, maybe, or maybe am I just grasping at a bunch of paranormal straws here, desperately trying to make sense of something that really should be disclassified to people? I believe. Really, really, we should know more about this. Well, time to lighten the mood a little tiny bit, I think. Yeah, that's right. Riley Keough, Jesse Eisenberg. Those two actors are among the shaggy beasts in a, in a show, okay? And it's called Sasquatch Sunset. They say they actually shapeshift into these mythical beasts, so to speak, in the absurdist comedy Sasquatch Sunset. Less than a minute into Bleecker Street Sasquatch Sunset trailer, one bearded Sasquatch dry humps another in North America, <laughs> North American forest. The trailer then follows the family of ape-like creatures as they forage, hike, and interact with wildlife over the course of a year. <laughs> the 89-minute dramedy contains no words unless you count the grunt, scream, sneezing, and other in innate reactions. Tagged as the greatest Bigfoot, greatest Bigfoot story ever told, David Nathan Zeller directed film. First premiered back in the Sundance Film Festival last month. In 2011, David Zellers released Sasquatch Birth Journal 2, a short film that observed a hairy creature giving birth while squatting on a tree. <laughs> Apparently, the director didn't get the Bigfoot obsession completely out of his system. And now we actually have this 89-minute movie, which is, has no dialogue, and it's just a bunch of people dressed up as Bigfoots, and being Bigfoot. <laughs> like, I think this is a great idea, especially if you can make it funny at all. Like, I'm hoping that it's going to be lighthearted and, and silly, you know? But, like, one of my things in my brain I've always had about Bigfoot is how do these things, like, live in the forests and, and stay away from people and stay hidden? Like, how do they do that? And it'll be interesting to see if they have any interactions with humans in this. I think that would be really, really cool to watch. And if they do, it would be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to realize, too, like, these actors, like, they love this kind of stuff because it's, like, the ultimate method acting. You know, like, you get to be this character no one's ever seen before and put your own spin on it and act like they would in your mind. 
I wonder how much inspiration came from the Patterson Gimbel movie for this and and other reports. And I wonder if is this just another example of media loosening its grip a little tiny bit and and letting us have fun with the idea that these things exist as opposed to being constantly bombarded with Bigfoot is real. Maybe he's just a part of our culture, whether we like it or not. I kind of feel too with Bigfoot. He's such a such an awesome cryptid. Like, and there's so many different versions of Bigfoot. Like, this could be a really fun show. This could be like a Bigfoot universe, man. Be cool if they had like a Bigfoot version of like Nick Fury show up at the end of this thing. And he's like, hey, I want to talk to you guys about the Bigfoot Sess. I want to talk to you guys about the Triple S, the Sasquatch Surveillance Squad. And like, then they go and they go to like different parts of the world. They go find a Yeti in the Himalayas. They go to the swamps and get a Yowie, you know. (laughs) Anyway. Who would be Thanos in that in that reality though? Probably be like a dog man, I think. I think a dog man would be like the good Thanos type character. Anyway, not that I'm overthinking every step of my life, but I'm definitely overthinking this. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. In closing, I thought I'd do something that was just completely off the wall, had nothing else to do with the paranormal. As usual, you know, it's it's the odd to Newfoundland. It's not necessarily paranormal. It's all kinds of weird ideas. And like this time of year, we just came out of Christmas. Everyone's back at the gym in January. It's February now. Everyone's either gave up their resolution or is working, still working very diligently. Good for you if you're still looking after yourself, by the way. I'm, I'm trying my best to go to the gym five days a week, although these snowstorms are really making me not be able to. Um... But you know, you kind of worry about um, caloric intake, really. Like, it's, it's a lot to do with calories getting in shape. Like, calories going in, calories going out. How do we look after this? And I thought to myself, you know, I wonder how many calories is, like, in this cotton ball. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it would be kind of fun for the show. What if I went and found a bunch of random stuff and looked up online and did the research and actually found out, well, how many calories are in stuff? So, like... Technically, anything that has mass has calories, by the way, which is a unit of ma- which is a unit of energy. Even things that aren't technically food have calories, guys. You definitely do need most of this on this list, so I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying it's just it's just really interesting to know how many calories they're actually packing in each thing. Okay, number one, a gallon of gasoline has thirty one thousand calories. Woo! Gasoline has a lot of energy. Coal, you know, coal you burn. That's 200,000 calories per ounce. Uranium has 20 billion calories per gram. Dirt. You'd have to eat about 15 pounds of it to acquire 6 calories. Cotton balls have 4 calories each. Grass clippings have 4 calories per ounce. Human breast milk. Did you ever wonder? Like, where we all came from, man. Mommy's milk. 170 calories in one cup. That's pretty good. A penny has only 10 calories. Hair, on average, a full head of hair would provide about 140 calories. A stainless steel fork. If you ate a fork, it has 15 calories. <laughs> a 9mm bullet, slightly less than 1 calorie. So you're, you're starting to see things that are metal have less calories, so you probably shouldn't be eating those. Actually, no, wait. If you're trying to lose weight, eat all the forks you can. <laughs> Modeling clay. A standard size plastic can of Play-Doh packs a whopping 127 calories. Dude. So, you know, if you're really, really hungry, break into your kid's crafting kit and eat some steel forks, a penny, grass clippings, and maybe some modeling clay. Eggshells, you know, 
Those eggshells, you know, you break open your egg, you throw your shell away. It's about two calories per eggshell. A crayon has 50 calories? Man, I know kids who eat crayons like crazy too. A dolphin, the average adult bottlenose dolphin weighs 4,400 pounds and contains around 1.7 million calories. A dolphin. A dolphin weighs 4,400 pounds? Really? The average bottlenose dolphin? Wow, I didn't know that. An average adult's flesh, that's you, has about 32,375 calories. Add in the skin and organs and the calorie total goes up to 125,000 calories. I mean, make no wonder the T-Rex wanted to eat us, like in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Santa's Christmas Eve snacks. This is, this is another little thing I got. If you ate the milk and cookies Santa Claus eats and millions of homes each year, December 24th, you'd consume about 115 billion calories. <sighs> and how much does the standard size book that's about 400 pages long have any calories in it? Believe it or not, about half a calorie. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so, there you go. If you ever wonder how many calories is in a cotton ball, you know. No, so <laughs> there's something I know. I really love having you here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for keeping this show going. And I hope to talk to you guys again soon. I'll be back on the first of next month. That's right, March 1st. Be a brand new guest waiting for you. Take care, guys. Attention all Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio listeners. The Odd to New Finland Paranormal Podcast brings you the best in East Coast esoterica on the first of every month. Together, we can keep it growing by sharing the show on social media, subscribing to the show wherever you may be listening to it from, and by leaving feedback about your favorite episodes. John certainly needs a friend like you to help make his dreams come true. Minus the alien abduction dreams. That is not cool at all. The Odd to New Finland Paranormal Podcast. Always available. Always free. Always odd.